0: This episode of You Talking To Me was recorded a few weeks ago at the height of lockdown. Hello, I'm Philip Simon
1: and I'm Rachel Krieger.
0: We are two Jewish comedians. I'm Reform
1: and I'm Orthodox and this is a chat show designed to recreate the sensation of sitting at the miscellaneous table at your cousin Hannah's bat mitzvah.
0: You're not quite sure why you're there, but you wouldn't miss it for the world because you know for 10 years that's all anybody's going to talk about.
1: Each week we're going to bring you two of our favourite funny Jewish people to talk about their lives, their experiences growing up and how much Jewishness has played a part. On Saturdays, were they synagogue or synagogue?
0: Welcome to Jew talking to me. So, Rachel, have you had a particularly Jewish week?
1: I don't really want to go to a very dark place here, but uh, this week I had a really lovely chat with my teenage son. We were laughing together. He was smiling at me and it was all I could do not to get him to write it down as a permanent record of that happening so that when they're sitting shiver for me in uh, years to come they'll remember that experience that for one little moment I was a fun cool mum and not a mortal embarrassment to them.
0: Presumably you're hoping that by the time your death does come, there will be more moments that can have been minuted. This wasn't the I mean, only there's one. no
1: guarantees, are there? There's no Fair guarantees. Enough. Okay. What about you? Any Jewish things occurred this week?
0: Obviously, we're still in lockdown at the moment, and we have done a load of home cooking lately. We've been introducing our children to lots of different types of food, and one of the things is Jewish food. So falafel, uh, pita bread, things like that. And also I've started doing my own baking and cooking. I made shakshuka.
1: I assume you use the shakshuka pan that you insisted on buying on our one-day when we were touring in Israel and we had to spend the entire afternoon trooping up and down the lanes of the Shuk, the big market, so that you could find your perfect shakshuka pan.
0: Yes, I used that pan. And I think of you every time I, I use it. Mainly because <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually not that good a pan. I almost regret the amount of time that we took to buy it, but I feel I now have to use it just out of principle.
1: My main memory <laughs> of that actually is how you tasted all the shakshuka spices on every single stall, like 10 stalls, as if you do the cinnamon challenge, like...
0: It's it's never occurred to me that you would walk through a market and eat just raw spice. It I don't just... think it's
1: occurred to anybody, but it was very it funny was, to watch.
0: It was such an odd thing to be force fed these spices, but they were delicious. I, I did buy some shakshuka spice and I'm gutted because it's, it's obviously run out because uh, we've we've made it quite a lot. And I'm so eager for lockdown to finish so that I can uh, get just get some shipped over. But look, this isn't all about us. So let's introduce our guests. Our first guest is the fabulous musical comedian and YouTuber, Jay foreman hello hi hello jay. Hi, how jay how are you i'm not too bad you know one of the weirdest
2: things about doing zoom meetings i don't think i've ever waved as much now as i ever have
3: <laughs> i never
2: used it, to wave before leaving meetings but now it's all about the you know hello like, yeah. bye, bye. The end of those
0: celebrity <laughs> panel shows where people just for 20 minutes yeah, let's give yeah. that a go the three of us <laughs> <laughs> Open applause. We'll we'll do that at the end for sure. Uh, And tell us, Jay, have you had a particularly Jewish
2: week? I've had the most Jewish week in months this week because uh, what with lockdown, my partner and I have been at home for, you know, three months. And then yesterday was a landmark day because we went for the first time in ages to go visit my parents, which uh, basically was a reminder for the first time in weeks that I am Jewish in the first place. We were <laughs> still on their doorstep having a, you know, a waving hello and uh, had a glimpse of their Muslims. Oh yeah, I remember one of those. That by default is the most Jewish week I've had in a number of weeks. And of oh, course special. they were talking about how worried they were about
0: us and, you know, that ran it home all the more. <laughs> an avid layer of guilt. Let's introduce our second guest is TV and radio comedy writer Sarah Gibbs. Hi Sarah, Hello. how
3: are you? Wayne. We want to I do, do wait. something.
0: <laughs> Sarah, have you had a particularly Jewish week?
3: I think I I was all due out from the week before when I um, tweeted something kind of sarcastic that
0: went viral. For the benefit of everyone at home, the tweet says, sick of people having a go at Dominic Cummings, a brave man who risked our lives to look after his family.
3: A lot of people missed the sarcasm and were responding angrily as if I tweeted something serious. And about 16,000 likes in, my mum phones me and she goes, you know what? I don't think anybody gets it. <laughs> 30, likes, not good enough for my Jewish mother. She got it, but nobody gets it, she told me very earnestly.
0: I think mothers on Facebook and social media are fantastic. My mother, the only way I know that she likes any of my posts on Facebook is because she will WhatsApp me to tell me she liked it. <laughs> For some reason, oh. she won't like it publicly, but she'll She'll just WhatsApp me. I, I thought it was a very funny joke, well done. It's genuinely one of the reasons that I've stopped using Facebook quite so
2: much is because for the longest time, the first person to like any of my posts was my mum and it looks embarrassing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do also like the idea of anyone Jewish telling their mum or dad that something they put up went viral. <laughs> I, I, I know a doctor, I'll call someone. <laughs>
1: To introduce you properly just in case any of the people listening or watching haven't come across your work before what i'd like you to do jay is to imagine that your mother-in-law was going to big you up to her friends and how would she describe you and your achievements
2: oh my boy jay he's a we just start like that and then the rest of it i suppose would be normal um i'm a youtuber i make my living making videos on youtube my videos are about town planning geography cities and politics that sort of boring thing but we make our videos in the style of comedy shows. They are um, comedy documentaries or comedy documentaries, if you will, edgy payment. <laughs> I hate all of the words involved. And then the other thing I do is I'm a musical comedian. I used to do gigs. These days I do live streams, singing funny songs, largely for children nowadays. Sara,
1: so your mother-in-law, how would she show you off? I'm not sure my mother-in-law knows what I
3: do. Um, (laughs) I am a radio and TV writer, as you mentioned. I have written for shows like Dead Ringers, The Now Show, The News Quiz, Have I Got News For You, and The Mash Report. Oh, and I got chlamydia trending on Twitter.
0: (laughs) Can I I clarify (laughs) something? Sarah, did you get chlamydia trending on Twitter or did you get chlamydia by trending on Twitter? (laughs) The
3: comma placement is very important here. i phrased it in a way that makes it really easy to edit to sound like I just am telling you I have chlamydia. I made chlamydia trend on Twitter by starting a game of pretty girls' names that are just words. So things that sound like names but aren't, for example, omelette would be a pretty girl's name. (laughs) Yeah, the most predictable one that everybody went for was chlamydia and so that by nightfall was trending on twitter for some reason mainly people going why is chlamydia trending on twitter um, <laughs> at that which is how it spreads that's
1: that's <laughs>
0: Well, I think we have kicked off. Joan, this is a warm and caring environment where you can open up and be yourselves, uh, very much making us the, the Philip and Holly of podcasting. <laughs> I think uh, We always like to start our show by asking our guests, What's the matter, Bubbler? So, Sarah, what's been getting your kosher goat lately?
3: I have a nemesis who has been making Ooh. my life rather difficult. His name is Leaf Blower Man. He does what he says on the tin. He shows up twice a week in the car park behind my house with a leaf blower in all weathers and all seasons, blows the same one leaf around the car park from about eight in the morning to about five in the afternoon. And he has been the bane of my life because I'm autistic. And part of that is that we can't filter out background noise at all. So I lose pretty much two working days a week to leaf blow a man and his mission to clear this one car park of the leaves that weren't there in the first place. So I contacted the office building where he blows the leaves around and they said no he's only there once a week so it turns out there's two companies in the same building and he has sold his bogus services to both of them and neither of them know about it so he's sort oh. of making double the money on the slide I mean,
0: I'm not I'm not sure exactly what wasn't there a story years ago about a guy that ran a car park outside a zoo and then it yes. the car park didn't exist he was just taking people's money he made about two million pounds I think before <laughs> they caught onto it and then he just disappeared where but was he Putting the cars—was he putting them inside the animal cages?
1: No, no. It was a free car park, and he was yeah. walking around it as the warden, selling tickets.
0: He did it for years before someone cottoned on, and he raked in millions of pounds. That was a, wow. and it, and he just fired.
1: Jay, did you just say that's very inspiring?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's on, that's entrepreneurship right there.
1: I mean, he only got caught when he was on Dragons Den, trying to roll out across the country.
2: <laughs> Apparently, there's a service that you can um, sign up to, where if you think that your front drive is in a really good place to park park your car, you can sell it. You can say, I live quite near the station. Do you wanna park in my driveway? I'll charge you. It sounds like that's something that you could expand into other things. So for example, I mean, because of lockdown, our fridge tends to be quite empty, you know, towards the end of a week after we've used up all our shopping. What if there's someone that needs our fridge space? We could charge them.
0: <laughs> Jay, what has made you Oyve this week?
2: I've, I've been feeling especially guilty this week because I, I'm worried that I'm enjoying the lockdown too much. I keep feeling like we're not supposed to be enjoying the lockdown. The reason we're all at home is because there's a deadly virus out there and it's a, a lot of people are suffering really badly. Um, but the situation is my partner and I, where we live, we don't have children and it's brilliant because we're getting lots of quiet time to ourselves and you know, we're waking up and there's absolutely nothing in the calendar so, we're getting through lots of films that we wouldn't have had time to watch. We're going on lovely nature walks that we wouldn't otherwise have had any time for. And every time I speak to my brother and sister, both of whom have kids, they're having a miserable time. And I think it's very selfish of them to keep on phoning me and telling me how bad their lives are because it's
0: making me feel terribly guilty and awful. Well, speaking of someone who has young children, I revel in your guilt. Live with it. <laughs> Live with it. <laughs>
1: Whenever I meet Jewish people, particularly if they're younger than me, like you two, on my mind I'm always thinking, have you eaten yet? That's (laughs) always my thing. Especially at this point in time, and you've mentioned your empty fridge. Have you got any particularly strong Jewish food memories, either of you? I mean, is it what you ate? Is it what was said at the table? This is really tenuous, because it's not really Jewish
3: food, it's just my grandma is Jewish and it's food related, so I'm going to count it. Do we have a rabbi? to? (laughs) She's always worried that there won't be anything for me to eat, because I'm a fussy eater. Read autistic again. Uh, we once went to a posh event to celebrate her volunteering at a hospital. Um, she's a very impressive lady and she'd brought a pizza for me in her handbag.
0: That's an impressive grandma and also very impressive handbag.
1: <laughs> yeah. like Mary Poppins.
0: the a wood-fired yeah. handbag. I want a handbag pizza.
1: She sounds awesome. <laughs> Jay, have you got any interesting food memories? Can you still taste the soup, or are you waiting for a spoon?
0: I have a food
2: memory from just a few months ago that I really badly missed because of lockdown. So we used to, as many Fridays in a row as possible, we'd go around to my parents, and uh, the, the Jewish food that I miss the most and haven't had since then is challah. And the thing is, you can get challah from waitrose, but it's nowhere near as good. It's completely not the same. In my family, it's always been that the challah comes from a proper deli and it's bought fresh that day, and a thought occurred to me the other day, as much as I've had so many slices of colour throughout my life, I say slices, usually it's torn off because that's the best way to enjoy it. Yep. Um, I don't think in my entire life I've ever had colour on a Thursday. Because why would you? By then, any proper color that you've had, you've bought from the last Friday night, is bound to have gone stale. So um, even though I've experienced many colors and I've
0: experienced many Thursdays near the twain at the same time, I actually bought color last week on Thursday. What I wanted it to have with my hummus or my shakshuka, I wasn't allowed to eat it until Friday night. Well, then, we're not even that that's, that's religious. That's no good. Why would you eat it on a Thursday? 50 years time we'll look back at only the pettiest of rows and arguments those are the things we're going to remember we don't always know where these family broiguses come from obviously it's usually something like the pronunciation of bagel or (laughs) bigle we actually when it comes to specifically the pronunciation
2: uh, of bagel or bigle we got a specific rule in my family if it came from a proper deli and it's one of those big thick like really quite stodgy ones that's misshapen and gorgeous that's a bigle and if it comes from a regular shop with a, you know, perfectly round hole
0: in the middle, that's a bagel. I'm really happy with your explanation of bagel, bagel, because in my family, it's the American versus the English. So the Americans say bagel or, and the English say bagel. I think maybe the other, the other way around. But yours, you have an actual tangible bagel means a particular type of bagel. Whereas bagel means a disappointing bagel. A so bagel
2: if- means something that you bought from Sainsbury's that, you know, is already sliced down the middle and you probably, you have to toast it for it to taste nice. But a bagel, a bagel is something that you put lots of butter on and then you put loads of squished fish balls or gefilte fish on it. And it's very different and very nicer. Yes, and just to protect ourselves, other disappointing supermarket brands of bagel.
0: Are-
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's an important difference. Cause if my dad says to me of a Sunday morning, would you like a bagel or would you like a bagel? It depends. But um, that's not a serious <laughs> Broigus. That's, that's the opposite of a Broigus. That's something we've agreed on. Broigus wise the best family story I could think of was, this is a good 25 years ago. Uh, my grandma had just got back from a, a trip, and she met in the hotel or on the boat. I can't quite remember, but she met none other than TV's Yuri Geller. And she says, it was Yuri Geller, it was the real him. And I said to him, famous Mr. Yuri Geller, would you please bend a spoon for me? And he did, he bent the spoon. And she then took out and showed the whole family around the table, look, this is the spoon that TV's Yuri Geller bent for me, wow. And then Auntie Min, who was sat across the other end of the table, she leant over and grabbed the spoon and went, why is that a big deal? Look, anyone can bend a spoon, watch. And then unbent and rebent bent Yuri Geller's spoon. Now that caused a big argument because at the time when we were talking about it as a family, I remember really strongly Auntie Min was the crazy one. In the years that followed, I've now taken Auntie Min's side. And I now think that maybe Yuri Geller sort of took my grandma under his spell. And what Auntie Min did was undo the damage done by unbending and rebending the spoon. But that did cause a that caused a big ruckus that did. Whose side are you on in
0: this story? I don't know because I really want the end of the story to be that it wasn't even Yuri Geller. <laughs> yes,
1: that's where I thought it was going. <laughs>
0: That's true. If it was the real Yuri Geller, he'd say,
2: oh no, I don't just bend spoons for nothing, you know, not unless there's a camera yeah. on. It could have just been a fraud. But the I way know. my grandma told the story is that he did it in a Yuri Geller-like way, where he sort of gently tickled the bottom of the spoon. If it was a fraud, he'd yeah. just go <laughs> <laughs>
0: Also, I don't know if I want Yuri Geller to be on a massive floating metal thing when he's, <laughs> known, he's known for bending metal. That's
2: true. In that fact, that us? place is the story. It can't possibly have been a cruise. It must have been a regular hotel on land.
0: Sarah, anyone in your family bringing down the tone?
3: Well, I mean, this is the most Jewish thing ever, how one boy's bar mitzvah caused a massive family falling out with repercussions that lasted decades. Basically, it was just a series of really, really, really petty spats that came from this one occasion that had no reason to exist at all and still inflamed tempers to this day. It was the first Bar Mitzvah in the family where everyone hadn't been invited and they had a cut-off. So their cut-off was at me and my brother's generation. Uh, me and my brother absolutely did not care, but the elders of the family got really indignant on our behalf. But then, one of my cousins from Israel, who was on the same level as us, because uh, we share, that this is a uh, boring aside, but my mum's brother married my dad's sister, so... It's
1: not incest. Um. (laughs) We had someone over for a socially distanced chat in the garden. And I mentioned that uh, I have a weird connection to my husband. Because when I was growing up, I had two gerbils and my husband's sister was in the same school and she had gerbils too. And we worked out that my gerbils were in fact my husband's gerbils' grandchildren. And our sister said, oh, does that make you and your husband related? And my older son immediately interjected with, that is literally the only acceptable way for my parents to be related.
3: (laughs) Um, We share both sets of grandparents, so exactly the same level of cousin, but one of my cousins from Israel was going to attend the bar mitzvah to represent her family because the older generations couldn't come. So that threw the whole thing up in the air with everyone arguing over who should and shouldn't be invited. And then the bar mitzvah came around. My grandma arrived late in a taxi because the taxi was late and they felt she'd done it on purpose out of spite. And then finally the invitation according to my mother and grandmother said carriages at 11 30. So at 11.30 they left, but the party was still in full swing and all the cousins and everyone were really offended that they left, but they insist it was the correct time and that's what it says on the invitation. Carriages at 11.30! Sort of incites this visceral rage in my mum and grandma that they're over it, everyone's speaking again, everything's fine, but they've never quite let go of it.
1: Everybody loves Jewish geography and a good connection. So we've adapted a very famous expression to ask you about your six degrees of can't eat bacon. So uh, Sarah, who's the most famous Jew who's personally and directly connected to you?
3: I'm gonna ignore the Jews that I've met since starting my career. Um, so that's a that's a big snub that's gonna cause a whole new bro- broigus. <laughs> um, when my mum was in Habonim, she dated one of the Baron Cohen's. I think the autism specialist, Professor Simon Baron Cohen, that, that was the one. I think it was him. I, I don't name him as the person my mum dated in case it, it wasn't him. But I mean, there was some sort of thing. She dated a Baron Cohen, so that she was very tangentially involved with Sasha Baron Cohen and in some way that he probably won't even remember. I think she was his youth leader. She remembers the Badil brothers as well. And I spoke to Badil and I said, oh, you know, my mum remembers you from Habonim," And he was very nice about it. I was like, please do lie and tell her I remember (laughs) her.
2: Jay, anyone strange and exciting on your family tree? So the best one I can think of is in 1998, I once attended a Jewish summer camp. It was uh, with the youth group RSY. And um, one of the people that attended that summer camp with me was apparently the daughter of Leslie
0: Joseph, who played Dorian in Birds of a Feather. I'm going to interrupt, Jay, because I also grew up in the RSY movement. So no. maybe our paths might have crossed there because I would Well, have hang been... on. W- were you involved in RSY in 1998? I was a leader on one of the summer camps in 1998. Yeah. Yes. Where are you? Where? Yes. It would have been. Are you one of the madrichim? I was. I was a madrich. No, there's there's yes. a word I've not and, used. And, in good and not, I, mean, I can confirm that Leslie Joseph's daughter was on the camp. But oh. also another another famous celebrity daughter we had. Wait! Don't tell me! Don't tell me! Don't tell me! Because if I remember right, there was also
2: at the same time on the same camp the daughter of. Very
0: much so, yes. and There we go. You probably were on the same camp as me. No, no, because I was never on a camp with them. But the thing I remember was a a rumour, and it may have been a rumour, I don't know. I'm going to say allegedly just to protect... Can can I interrupt you and say that I think I know what
2: the rumour was?
0: Yes, you can. But just in case it is a rumour and we're completely wrong, I'm going to put you full screen. Oh, okay. (laughs) So it's on me. There was a rumour that I'm pretty
2: sure I remember being true and I remember seeing with my own eyes that was sending her daughter packets of meat in the post. When the rest of us were getting postcards saying, we miss you and we love you, she was getting packets of meat, which we were very jealous of. Is, is that the rumor you were talking about? It's
0: part of the rumor. So okay. RFI became a vegetarian youth movement, which a lot of people were okay about and some people were up in arms about. So these meat packages that were being sent by... <laughs> apparently the daughter... I remember, yes. ...set up a black market, selling them to the kids on the camp that bit i don't remember no one told me about the black market maybe i was left out that might be pure rumor but that's the story i was told back in 1998 i mean i just
1: want that to be true i don't know how important it is whether it is true or not it's such a good story well in case it's
0: not true i'd like to apologize
2: to both the daughter and (laughs) uh, what might be false rumors
0: harmless rumors though they are plenty plenty to to cut out so far uh
1: (laughs) I have a a direct connection actually with Jay Foreman, which I don't know if you remember, but Jay's mum used to teach at a Jewish primary school where my husband was also a teacher and she taught my son, my oldest son, and her name's Cookie, am I right?
2: This is true. What a small, very, very interconnected Northwest London Jewish world it is.
1: So, I don't know if you remember this particular situation, but a few years ago, it must have been about five or six years ago, I booked you to come and do a gig with me for young people, like teenagers in my local community. I remember. And lots of those kids went to that particular school, and one of the kids was being really heckly and difficult. And I'd said to you that your mum taught them all. So, when this kid was disrupting you on stage, you paused from your brilliant singing and you called your mum and you oh, asked yeah. her, his, you asked him his name and then you said to her do you remember i'm gonna say david Cohen for want of a better name and put her on speaker while she described his antics at school and it was a
2: beautiful beautiful moment i have a vague memory of that happening this is in yeah. boring wood wasn't it in a in a, a, a wood yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah i remember now yeah. <laughs> it was very very
1: funny and it was uh, it was the sort of thing that i wish now we'd have filmed it would have been very very
0: very trendable. It would have gone viral. In fact,
3: could have given the whole internet chlamydia. Wait, is
0: that not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really enjoy hearing all these stories about how people interconnect. That's the past, and none of us know what the future holds. But there is a very strong chance that we're going to end up foraging in the woods before too long. So, if it ever came down to Jews versus zombies, what ultimate survival skills would you bring to the table, Jay? Why don't you give us an idea of what skills you have? I guess the only real
2: power I have is to sort of point excitedly and say, look over there. And distract the zombies while we run away. I think that's my best skill: is distracting people with really convincing, panicky eyes and pointing fingers. I've used it many a time, (laughs) never in a in a zombie situation, but that really is
0: all I can bring to the table. I think that's pretty impressive, though. Distraction is definitely going to be needed.
2: Quick, look behind you! No, I'm serious, genuinely. Look, there's a thing. Look, I look for it. Yeah, Yeah. it makes it makes you want to look, even though you know full well that I can't possibly know what's there. You felt it. Absolutely. That's what I I bring to apocalypse. Behind me. Oh no, you're right.
0: I can. <laughs> okay, so we've got distractions. Sarah, what about you? Anything you can bring to the table?
3: It's interesting that it's all in the sort of the family of anxiety, because my special skill is that I can spot danger. So I'm like a walking risk assessment. I'll be like, there's a zombie, you missed one. There's a zombie that right there. Yeah, I won't do anything about it, but I'm good at delegating and making other people feel stupid for not noticing the zombies. So um, I will be the first to be eaten.
1: Sarah, what is your favourite ever Jewish joke? I'm going to grab my
3: phone for this, so I read it verbatim. It is currently my pinned tweet. Uh, When I was younger, I also blamed Jewish people for all my problems and thought they were part of a conspiracy to control and ruin my life. Turns out they were just being good parents. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Um, It it caused a bit of a stir because I got into a bit of a broigus with a guy. I'm calling it a broigus because it did have repercussions, where he said something sexist, this sort of older I think, Jewish guy, American, and I called him out. And a few minutes later, he showed up in my mention saying, I know this joke, you've plagiarized this joke. I've seen it word for word somewhere else. Words that strike fear into the heart of any comedy writer. It's like everybody in the world has done an accidental plagiarism, even if it wasn't verbatim, you know, the idea or something like people have similar ideas. So I sort of started scanning the internet, couldn't find anything anywhere with a a joke that was similar or similarly worded. And, you know, I had sat at a table and written that joke. So I asked him to back that assertion up and um, he sent me a screenshot of his own iPhone notes with my joke in it from two hours after I'd posted it. And it turned out what had happened was I'd later pinned the tweet because I'd quite liked it. And he had initially seen me post it, copied it into his notes, presumably for his own plagiaristic purposes, and uh, forgotten who wrote it. And then come back to my Twitter, seen my pin tweet, assumed I'd stolen it, and accused me of plagiarising myself. After I blocked him, he set his wife on me, which was really uh, just one of the most bizarre. It's stuck in my head as one of the most bizarre Twitter interactions I've ever had. Because uh, you know, to be accused of plagiarism is one thing, but to be shown your own words is you know, see this comedian wrote it,
1: and she's much funnier than you.
2: That's both a Jewish joke and a broigus.
1: We've come to the end of the show. But before we go, how are people going to know where you are if you don't call, you don't write? <laughs> so we're now giving you the opportunity to let everybody know where to find you on your social media and anything that you're up to that you want to uh, inform our viewers and listeners about. Sarah. Easy.
3: I'm on Twitter at SarahRoseG. And that is the only place worth finding me. And Jay?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Jay Foreman. I've also got a YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Jay Foreman. Uh, basically, if you Google me, you'll find my stuff. I've got my YouTube videos, which is a combination of funny songs, these days largely for children, and also um, edutainment videos, documentaries about urban planning, which, uh, to bear with, it's, it's funnier than it sounds. So do do please give it a go
1: been a really really fun show and from now on i'm always going to think about sarah as the jew who made chlamydia famous and jay as the jew who defined the difference between a
0: bagel and a bagel as my grandmother used to say when she wanted to end my telephone calls you must have better things to do than talk to us which is a good thing because we've come to the end of this week's show we'd like to thank our guests sarah gibbs and jay foreman follow them on social media
1: follow us on social media at JewTalking without the g
0: and we look forward to seeing you next time on Jew Talking to Me. Jew Talking to Me was hosted by me, Philip Simon. And
1: me, Rachel Krieger.
0: It was produced by Russell Vulcan. <laughs> Let's have one really big group wave. Let's keep that going for 20 minutes. No, we won't.
3: Nobody looks good while waving. <laughs>
0: The Queen does. Maybe we should all hold our hands still and just do this instead.
2: Can Can we add the sound of a studio audience that claps for a (laughs) minute while we wave and smile?